Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome Not to so an incredibly down. special uh, joint episode of the Ivy Envy Show and the Sunranto Podcast. I'm here. I'm Danny Rocket, and I am here with Corey Finnerin and Mr. Andrew Round. How you doing, fellas? Oh, I I thought we were talking about the Golden Girls today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a different podcast uh, on a different uh, season. Typically sunnier <laughs> subject. <laughs> yeah. So, Andy, who's your favorite Golden Girl? <laughs> uh, Sophia. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any? You can't choose any of the other ones. No. no. These people no. that pick Dorothy, come on! Right. You're just sh- you're. You know what? You're giving us a glimpse into your heart when you pick Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> your cold black heart. Yep. But the reason we're recording this uh, joint podcast today all together is because we wanted to invite you. Uh, to the fourth annual, four years, guys, of doing John Baker Day, which is a celebration of the night in the, the end of July, July 29th, 2014, and the longest game by time in Wrigley Field history, where John Baker, the Cubs' backup catcher, pitched in the top of the 16th inning, uh, a scoreless frame, induced a double play, and then uh, scored the winning run after taking a walk in the bottom of the 16th inning in in an incredibly memorable and rare victory. Um, And rare, especially because it was the 2014 Cubs. And they didn't win a heck of a lot of games. But uh, they won the game, and John Baker was the hero. And we've been celebrating it every year. And this year, we're going to be raising money for the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network, which is an umbrella organization um, here in Chicago. And they work with different, they partner with uh, different um, other domestic violence organizations throughout the city and city of Chicago and the state of Illinois. Um, They, they operate a domestic violence hotline that receives over 24,000 calls a year. So they're oftentimes the first uh, kind of, uh, you know, well, the first line of defense or mm-hmm. first, uh, reach out uh, that you can uh, that if you need help. Uh, they also offer uh, training to domestic violence service professionals, medical, law enforcement and workplace. And they also uh, help write laws, uh, advocacy uh, and getting the Illinois legislature to fund things like training of service professionals and um, and all that. So it's a very worthy cause. And it, John picked it. John Baker picked uh, this as the beneficiary this year because he learned a lot about it this past offseason with obviously what's going on with Addison Russell uh, and him being on the team and Theo trying to, I guess, change in uh, in a positive way the workplace environment at Chicago Cubs and give people the services uh, that they and their family may need to avoid 
something like this ever happening again. So, yeah. And it's, it was perfect because like, this is exactly Danny, like our first conversations heading into the like preparation for this year's John Baker day. Like this is the exact thing that we wanted to do. And it was nice that, you know, it's, it's difficult when it's like, Oh, we want to like benefit this, you know, this, uh, um, type of of agency that provides services or something it's hard to find the right one and to exactly know where to go so um it was nice that uh john uh, knew exactly who he wanted and it aligned perfectly with what we wanted to do yeah it, everybody's on the same page with this and we hope that you'll all be on the same page and uh either come to john baker day this year which i guess we should give everybody the actual information about what <laughs> we're doing here uh john baker day is uh, august 3rd uh of this year uh, and we're gonna do it a little differently in the past we've done it before the game at about 11 a.m and then we've all trudged over to the game uh usually a very hot possibly rainy day um in august and but this year we're actually going to be throwing it more like a game watch and we're doing it at g-man tavern which is at 3740 North Clark. So we've been doing it Nisei in the past. This year, the reason we're doing it at G-Man Tavern is because they have an excellent sound system and they are able to accommodate musical acts. And we thought last year, I know a lot of people complained at Nisei. It was very hard to hear. Well, this year... We got an entire sound system <laughs> and it's going to be and it's going to be um, easy to hear. And we're in the back room back there. So we're going to start around 1 p.m. And uh, we're going to during the game and the game watches, we're going to have mu- musical performances from Katie Day, who many of you know from singing uh, by the lakeside. And we got the fire. And uh, she's going to be doing a short set of her music. Um, and uh that's going to start around 1 p.m. We're also going to do like a live podcast recording with different Cubs podcasters and bloggers, some of the best minds in Cubs baseball. We're all going to get together and do like an interactive Q&A. But mostly it's just going to be a chill game watch during the game. And if you want to go to the game, go ahead and go to the game, too, and then come afterwards because we won't start the main event featuring John Baker and, um, you know, the Q&A with him and the raffles and, the you know, the auction items that uh, we're going to be uh, off auctioning and raffling off. We won't do all that till about a half hour after the game ends, hopefully 430 <laughs> rain delays <laughs> and um, rain delays and extra innings could change that slightly but uh either way we're, we're going to be going after the game and um i don't know it's just gonna be a little bit different i, th- I think uh, this kind of more lines up with kind of what ivy envy did in the past with like the global game watch in a way too um yeah. just being a chill event to hang out yeah i think it's gonna be great because anybody who went to the event in the past at john baker you know or at nisei no and nothing against nisei of course because that's a great place but i mean you know the music didn't really sound great because you know, Danny, we were bringing in your PA and it's a room that's not really built for that. Um, and so this will be really nice cause they have like a professional PA with sound person. So the music's going to sound good. You're going to be able to hear, I know in the past it's been difficult to hear the like Q and a with John. Uh, and so this'll, yeah, every, everything is going to be, um, uh, I guess, you know, you still have that like social component where you're getting to like meet people that you interact with on Cubs Twitter and everything, but, but you're actually going to be able to hear everything well this year. And I think, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to do that, that live podcast with, you know, some of the podcasters and bloggers because, and I would encourage you like, I, you know, there, there are, um, 
you know, lots of, and maybe not necessarily the three of us on this episode, but there are some, there are some great minds and, and people that, that have some like really good insight. And I think that, um, you know, if you try interacting with, with some of the bigger names and try to like tweet at them and treat, tweet questions at them and stuff, they maybe don't see those or don't have time to answer all of them. And so I think this is a good opportunity to like really just kind of, uh, toss a question out there to, to several of those people and, and see what they say. Yeah, and we're going to work with like Sarah Sanchez, who writes at Bleed Cubby Blue and does the Cup of Cubby Blue podcasts. Uh, we're we're, get, we're going to get somebody from uh, Cubs Insider. We got somebody from Bleacher um, Bleacher Nation as well. So it's going to be kind of an all inclusive, like kind of new media scene. So mm-hmm. it's and and you know we're friends with all these people, so it's even better. Year after year, we've been getting together and uh, you know try. And this year, we're doing it you know for such an important uh, uh, cause. Uh, like combating it's a weird thing to say combating domestic violence because it's like a combat is a violent term (laughs) (laughs) but let's let's get some uh, violence against violence you know um no love love versus violence is what we're going for um so uh i guess a little word about like how we raise the money and this is super important because uh we have t-shirts and new and the New this year is the design. Uh, Kurt from the Ivy Envy podcast, the one Ivy Envy are not on this podcast right now. Uh, he designed a new John Baker logo for the T-shirt. And um, also the old logo we put on a trucker hat. So all that can be found at johnbakerday.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-K-E-R-D-A-Y.com. And you can also buy the tickets there. But uh, here's the thing about the hats and the shirts. We're doing it a little differently this year so that we don't end up wasting money that should be going to the charity uh, with carrying inventory of right. this stuff. So what we're asking people to do, and you only have a week to do it until July 12th, is to go to johnbakerday.com. And there you'll see the hats and the shirts there, women's and men's shirts uh, cut. And if you buy the shirts there, you can choose whether you want them uh, delivered to you at your home, uh, which I think shipping is five bucks. And then they handle all that. Or you can save the shipping. And if you're kind of going to come to John Baker Day, you can come to G-Man Tavern and I will have the shirts and I will give it to you at uh, G-Man Tavern on August 3rd. So that's just the way we're doing it this year. Uh, I think it'll help a lot because well, I it'll help you and it'll help us a lot. Yeah, it saves lots of time and trips to, to the post office. And it also, I mean, tracking down mailing addresses and all yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so if you want to help us and make this a new way we can do it, you have to support it. And so please go to johnbakerday.com. Even if you can't come to the event, please buy a hat. Please buy a shirt. Uh, I especially love uh, the hats because um, I'm always looking for like new swag to to wear on my head you know <laughs> us us fat guys can only like really rock hats and shirts to look cool i mean hats and shoes <laughs> that's what i've been doing wrong this whole time yeah dude yeah forget been, the I've shirts been, i've been focusing on my britches <laughs> <laughs> so um and and of course like i would love for you to come to the event tickets are also on sale at johnbakerday.com if you buy a ticket um we'll have your name on a list and you just come and check in 
Uh, you can either come to the event at one o'clock or you can come after the game for the main event. Either way, you're going to need a ticket to come in. There are only 100 tickets available and we've already begun selling them. So jump on that quickly because we did have to turn people away at Nisei Lounge last year. Right. So, um, so uh, please get on that quickly. And um, yeah. And, and so I guess that's all the information. It's only $30 to come. We've been trying to keep it incredibly affordable, but if we can sell all hundred tickets, that's $3,000 uh, for Chicago metropolitan battered women's network, which is not a small thing. If we reach our goals with the t-shirts and hats, uh, and and hopefully with the raffles and everything, I think we can uh, top our numbers from last year and maybe raise about six thousand dollars, which would be awesome. Um, anything else to add, guys? Um, uh, as far as the event itself, no. I mean, so we probably won't have. I mean, if you're thinking like, oh, I might come. Um, well, okay. Let me ask you a few questions. So there is an opportunity for people to like donate to this cause that maybe don't live in the area, won't be able to travel into the area. So there's a place for them to do that online for them to like to donate to, to, to to this cause. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it and something I'm working with, uh, Chicago metropolitan battered women's network on now is they're going to create a page on their website. It's not finished yet. Uh, right now, but they're going to create a page like for John Baker day where you can donate directly to them. And it would just kind of be a part of our situation. But if you're buying a hat or shirt, they on through uh, custom ink, you can also donate to them directly. Uh, you can also add like $10, $20 to your purchase nice. to be donated directly to them. And the beauty of the custom ink situation is because uh, Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network is a verified charity. They will be sending the money directly to them. Mm, nice. And we and cut us out of the, uh, the middle of that as well. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, there is, and part of what we're trying to do is to, uh, you know, promote awareness that uh, this network even exists and I'm sure, and we're planning on having a representative from Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network at John Baker Day to let everybody know about the services that they provide as well. Yeah. So, so great cause. And so, um, if you're not able to, to make it, uh, please donate because um, we'd love to to push as much money to them as we can. And uh, one more thing I should add too is that uh, you know one of the ways that we've been raising money for John Baker Day is through the auctions, and uh, we we've been told that through John Baker that the Cubs will be donating some uh, game used items, and also Matt Kammerer, uh, who is a artist and a huge Cubs fan, you might be familiar with his work. Uh, he's made a Pedro Stroke piece of art and a Wilson Contreras piece of art that's totally original, uh, and hopefully some Javier Baez prints that we're going to have signed. And uh, hopefully those will be up for auction within uh, right before the uh, events and the auction will finish right after the events is over. Uh, so uh, look for that. And if you want to see where all that information is, uh, we do have a John Baker Day 2019 Facebook event. So you can uh, if you're on Facebook, check that out there. And uh, well, th- you'll be kept up to informate uh, up, up to date on all the information that has to do with the uh, 
the auction items, but also if you have any raffle items that you'd like to donate for our raffles, such as bobbleheads or autographs. Like last year, we had a bunch of bobbleheads and uh, we had uh, somebody donated a Pedro Strope hat. Yeah, that was cool. I, I don't I, I tried to get in on that. I did not win. It was a little too rich for my blood towards the end. But all that money goes directly to charity. And I should also mention that 100 percent of the proceeds from John Baker Day are going directly to the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Whims Network Network. So any money we raise through the raffles and the auctions and the hats and the shirts and the ticket sales, 100 percent. We have no overhead. We do right. not pay ourselves for this. We do, you know, like we don't even, we dig nothing. We give it all to the charity. So uh, you can just be assured of that. I know a lot, that's a concern for a lot of people when they give to charities, how much of this could really goes to the charity. Well, for this, everything. Right. And donate through the t-shirt sales and, and uh, it makes it, e- that's why it makes it even easier for us. We don't have to try to do all the math and figure out exactly what came in, what, you know. Um, you know, one thing I want, um, uh, oh, I was going to bring something up. Um, oh, okay. So say people are in the neighborhood and they knew that this event is coming up and they think, oh, I'll swing by and I'm sure I can get in at the door. Like you mentioned, we sold out last year. And so I would encourage anybody who's going to that game that thinks like, oh, I'll be in the neighborhood. So I'll swing by, uh, we, we, we're not going to have like tickets for sale to door likely. So um, yeah, it's, so, it's pretty small back there. We've tried to keep it small and intimate because it's just more fun that way mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and and affordable because a lot of Cubs events like, you know, the big Carrie Wood event and stuff and the Rizzo stuff. It's really just for rich people. Right. <laughs> and so this is something that we've wanted to make more of a fan generated hang. And yeah, it's it's only thirty dollars to come. So it's it's worth just buying a, a ticket and making sure that you can get in. So. Yeah, johnbakerday.com is where you can find all that information and buy your tickets. So can I ask you guys a question about the the actual game, the 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 event of John Baker Day and I mean you kind of explained, I'm sure most almost ever, all of the listeners of our podcast know what happened in that game, but you know I was I was just kind of thinking about like if that game happened, let's say that game happened today. Even even if it was like a John Baker type role player I don't think that it uh, would like three years from now. I don't think people would be talking about it the way that people remember John Baker day or the John Baker game. And I think that it was like, because especially you're like right now, the Cubs aren't uh, you know, this, this just handed me uh, the Cubs aren't playing very well right now. Um, and I think if it happened, Cubs fans would be irritated almost, you know, it wouldn't be that like celebration where like 2014 was kind of like, we were excited because, you know, the, 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 you know, what Javi was up that year. I don't know if he was up. No, I don't know if he would have been he up. Actually, he actually came up right after this game. Okay. Uh, the Cubs, yeah, they played the Rockies and then they, uh, in this game, and this was, they, this was the second game, I believe, of this series. And then uh, the John Baker game, which they won four to three. Then they played another game and then they traveled to LA and then they traveled to Colorado where Javi Baker, uh, Javi Baker Javier Baez <laughs> came up in that next series. So this was a week before, like pretty much to the day, a week before Javier Baez made his major league debut. Everybody's right. favorite cub, Javi Chimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I was, oh, I almost did the crickets. 
there um yeah so i was just thinking like i don't think i mean that was such an exciting time because the cubs kind of sucked <clears throat> but we knew that like there was a lot of talent in the system there was a lot on the horizon to be excited about and so i think that was just uh you know kind of like the perfect moment for something like that where i think if this game happened now we would probably just be irritated yeah I, that was a formative moment and what you know the t- the club has become like it's sort of the moments like that laid the groundwork for you know the spirit of these last few winning seasons right because we hadn't really been able to experience fun yeah for a handful of years and so like having fun with like exciting prospects you know a, a year away or less than a year away i think was it was I don't know. I, that's why I was just thinking today. I was like, yeah, I bet if that, I bet if that happened today, like Cubs fans would just be really irritated and it wouldn't be like this memorable moment in history. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. And and it's kind of funny how it all unfolded with even throwing this John Baker day in the first place, which was that I woke up, I was at this game and I, I was, uh, I basically got kicked out of it because <laughs> I was, um, we were in Captain Morgan's club, uh, drinking in the top of each extra inning because he used to be able to come in and out. So I was drinking a beer in the top of the inning and then going back in, in the bottom of the inning <laughs> to see if the Cubs would win and, with my friends. And, uh, when one time when we were in Captain Morgan's club drinking our beer, we tried to go back in. They said, no, it's closed down at midnight. You missed the whole, th- you missed the cutoff. <laughs> so you're out. You can't go back in. And we're like, should oh, write no. a song about this. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so the next morning we went, we went all around. I was too drunk. They were going to let me in anyway. Um, so, uh, but we, we finished watching the game at a, a local bar, uh, the dugout, and then uh, they won. And then the next morning, I woke up hungover, and I wrote a song called "The Night the Backup Catcher Got the Win," which oh, yeah. is renamed John Baker, well, uh, the Ballad of John Baker now. And I just kind of put it out there on bleed cubby blue and people had fun with it and I had fun with it. And, um, and I didn't think anything of it until John Baker's dad contacted me. He was like, Hey, I heard the song. I sent it to John. And then me and John got in touch. And then Corey and I were sitting at Cubs convention like a year later, right after John had been hired as mental skills coordinate coordinator. And we're like, Hey, let's throw a John Baker day. They, the Mariners are in town. Let's have a party. <laughs> And then we figured, hey, everybody's getting together. Let's raise money for charity. So it all has happened very organically, um, you know, kind of strangely in a way, but in the way that only kind of Cubs fans do things. Right. At least our kind of Cubs fans. And we're trying to keep it gully like that. But honestly, I can't impress enough to everybody that, um, you know, we can't do this event without all of you. Like, it's not like my event or Corey's event or Andy's event or anybody or even John's event. It's all of our event. And that's kind of what we've tried to make it is like an all inclusive kind of fun event for just, you know, remembering a rare fun game in a crappy year. And uh, that's very, that's cub. cub. And if you're, if you've never been to one of these events and you're not sure if you would enjoy it, I will say it is well worth the $30 admission just to listen to the Q and a with John, because he, he pulls no punches. He shares like amazing stories that 
you know, you you think about like, oh, uh, the catcher and pitcher are meeting at the mound. I wonder what they're talking about right here. Like John has amazing stories of conversations on the field, conversations with umpires. Um, just you know, he 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 really kind of gives you like an inside look at baseball that that especially current players are very guarded about, and and you just don't hear very often. And and John is this isn't like a thing where like. John like is brought in through the green room and comes out on stage and then disappears. Like he's very personable. <clears throat> he really enjoys this day. And so he, he is just like kind of, you know, part of the group and, and, you know, quick to answer any question that you have or, and, and share those stories. So, you know, I think that aspect of it is, is, you know, something we, sometimes we overlook because we've seen it for three or four years and we kind of take him for granted but that is uh, a, a real unique thing that I think most fans don't get that glimpse of. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially like the, like the behind the scenes kind of uh, insight that I think John has and that, and that he's, his playing career is currently done, but it, you know, the fact that he's working with so many players throughout our system right now, you know, that it's, it, you know, it's hearing his insight it is fun and kind of whimsical stories are great, but I, I just kind of like the way that uh, he thinks about the game. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we're very lucky to have a guy like him who worked with Darnell McDonald and the mental skills, which, uh, which hopefully we'll, we're going to get a chance to talk to John Baker, I think on this show right now, because we've been trying to get in touch with him and we just did. Oh, <laughs> So um, I think uh, John's going to come on very shortly to to talk to us all about this. But I think the, the cool thing that he brings to the table is just kind of a perspective of the behind the scenes behind uh, of baseball um, that really only a backup catcher, mental skills coordinator can give you. It's incredibly unique in what he brings to the table. And he does it with a lot of charm and humor. And uh, it's just a great time. So, um, yeah. So I guess uh, without further ado, let's just bring John Baker on the show, huh? Sounds good. Okay, so we're back and uh, we have a very special guest on the show. Uh, It's uh, John Baker. Hi, John. Hey, how are you? Good to be here. And he's here. So we still have Andy and Corey here. Say hi, guys. Hey. Hi, guys. So, uh, John, uh, well, first of all, thanks for coming on to help us invite everybody to John Baker Day 2019. We've been throwing this four years now in a row. And, and I think after this year, we're going to uh, surpass the $20,000 mark uh, for money raised for charity. And I'm super psyched to, to have you out this year. And we're going to do it a little bit differently uh, after the game. And uh, it's just a big, great party. And I know I personally appreciate you being involved with it every single year, John. Well, I'm th- thank you, Dan. I'm, I'm so happy to be involved. I think that I, while my name is on the um, is, is is the title of the day, I think that this is a testament to, and I've always believed this to the to the true fan base, Cubs fan base. I think we're so different uh, than the other organizations and other teams across baseball and other cities across the United States. Um, what started as a you know c- comes coming from that game, which was just uh, about as bizarre as it can be. You know, the UFC's. Uh, the UFC's motto is as real as it gets. That was as as, bar, as bizarre as it gets. And it goes from <laughs> that to the song you wrote to uh, us meeting up on the internet and then organizing a, a, a party at the Nisei Lounge originally, um, but all for the benefit of other people. And I think that that's the, when you go out and sit like I have in the bleachers or walk around Wrigley Field, uh, you know, you see this, you see this massive network and community of people that know each other from, 
from fans to, to ushers to, to vendors outside the stadium. So to be able to kind of interweave all of those uh, people in to one thing and realize that we're all just here trying to help each other out, um, I think it, it gives it an even bigger purpose than some crazy game in July 2014. Yeah, well, that crazy game in J- July in 2014 it was, I mean, a total rarity. It's First of all, it's the longest game in Cubs history, uh, n- nearly six and a half. I mean, not Cubs history, Wrigley Field history, nearly six and a half hours long, and that's by time. But can you just talk about – you didn't get into that game until well after 1 a.m. in the morning. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we – you know, those are – again, talking about something that you never think is going to happen. Um, th- that game – uh, I can remember we we knew that we had certain pitchers down that couldn't pitch that day because they had pitched too frequently. And, and it was basically the battle for uh, not last place that game. <laughs> and when we when the game started, uh, Edwin started the game and, and Edwin starts all of that season had been um, had been rather kind of wasn't pitching as everyone and himself included had expected. And so we knew that we were going to rely on the bullpen when the game started. Uh, and I believe, and then the Corey, Corey De La Rosa from the, from the, um, uh, Rock. Rocky started, who was a, who was a Chicago Cub last year, <laughs> you know, why not? Uh, it was a Cubby last year. He started that game, but he was kind of known for the same thing, walking or striking out a lot of people. So whenever a game starts like that, there's always the indication that might be a bullpen day. It might be a longer day, but when you think it might be a longer day, you're thinking it might be, you know, close to four hours for nine inning game. Maybe it's three and a half because there's lots of walks. Never in anybody's mind, I think it's going to be uh, uh, that long. And and for me, I had warmed up for that game. Um, you know, I think the last time I took a swing in the cage, because back in the day, you know, we, we didn't have cages in the locker room like we do now. The cages were out in right and left field. So uh, I had taken some swings at about, I think, 530 or so. <laughs> and then I found myself in the bullpen after midnight playing catch again for the first time, besides warming up the pitcher occasionally in between innings. So. Yeah, uh, I was definitely not physically prepared, but fortunately what I did didn't require a lot of physical effort. <laughs> well, and of course, that's when the bullpens were on the side of the field as well. Oh, yeah. It was not, you didn't have the fancy bullpens uh, out in the outfield as well at the time. You were on the field that entire game pretty much. And then at 1 a.m., you were asked to go out there and pitch, which when's the last time you had pitched before? That uh, I had pitched in uh, the end of a Cape Cod League game um, when I was, let's see, I think I was 20. So it was, uh, it was, it was 13 years between pitching appearances for me. <laughs> <laughs> Decade plus. So, and, um, and it, what specifically, I mean, do you remember about, you know, going on that mound and just the feeling of that game. And then of course you score the winning run, which must've been exhilarating. I mean, I know to a lot of Cubs fans, that was kind of the, kind of a, the, the best moment in kind of a crummy year. And I think in retrospectively, maybe something that we can point to as a turnaround moment for the Cubs of just having fun. And uh, you know, you had some of the pieces in place, uh, that year, uh, you know, Pedro Strope was on that team. He pitched in this game. Uh, and, and I know in the past you've told me that, you know, they didn't want Strope to go three innings in this game. You, no. they, they didn't want other people pitching. So well, how did it all come about that you ended up pitching in this game anyhow? Well, I think to address first what you said at the beginning of that, which was 
um, a point from which everything kind of sprang forth afterwards success-wise with our team. Yeah, 2014 was the, it was a year of transition. I think it it was the year that um, halfway through that year, it went from we're rebuilding to we can be really good. Uh, that that's 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 where that year left off and that middle kind of point of the season there um, and and the way that game was played and the way that game finished and I think internally the way we celebrated too uh, I mean we celebrated like we won the World Series after that game at three in the morning we were <laughs> they were spraying beer bottles and uh, I got carried through the locker room into the shower <laughs> thrown into the shower they poured every every manner of liquid on top of my head we we jumped around and danced around um, like we had won something of importance. Uh, but I think it's in those moments, um, where people kind of look around and they go, man, we need to do this again, but we need to do this for real. Um, we need to do this for, for a real reason. And as you started to look at the faces that started showing up, um, Javi Baez got called up that year. Uh, Kyle Schwarber was there for, um, batting practice after he got drafted, took BP with our team. Anthony Rizzo becomes a star. Strope and Rondon become who they uh, ended up being that season. And, and you have the emergence of Jake Arrieta as well. And then another another funny part of that one, too, is that on the other team at the time was Tyler Chatwood. And I, he was on the Rockies mm-hmm. in the dugout the entire time for the other team. Um, yeah, he did not end up pitching in this game, um, surprisingly, because almost everybody else on the Rockies staff did. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, Christian Adamas, uh, actually hit into a double play off of you, and he is now a current current Cub. He is now a current Cub too. Yeah, it's, it's it all connects back to July 29th, two thousand and fourteen. Somehow, <laughs> you know the, the record the record from that point on afterwards was very good. Uh, and obviously, you have the the, the rise of the Madden era in two thousand and fifteen. Joe comes, John Lester comes. I get pushed out of uh, I get pushed out of Chicago by David Ross, but uh, I, I guess there there couldn't be a better guy to be pushed out of Chicago by in your position. You know, Rossi comes in uh, with John Lester. Uh, they brought in uh, Miguel Montero, and, and you just saw a massive upgrade and improvement in fifteen with Dexter Fowler as well. Um, so you took like these core essential pieces that that kind of became uh, the, the the Cubs. And then you threw a couple decent players like Chris Bryant and Dexter Fowler uh, and Jason Hayward on top of it. And then, you know, two years later, we're celebrating at Cleveland. So, um, yeah, crazy time. And, and again, I think going back to that game, too, uh, Wrigley Field is a temple to baseball. It was the 100th, 100th anniversary season. Uh, and to be able to go out and, and really actually feel like a kid, we say that often, Um you know, I think one of the things in sports, and, and if, if we want to transition this talk a little bit into, into mental skills, is that most people play sports to, to relieve stress. That's kind of the reason that guys join rec basketball leagues or play softball on the weekends, because they're doing it as a, a stress reliever from, their, from, from real life and from uh, real issues and from their jobs and all that. And so um, when, you, when you play professional sports, what everybody else looks at like stress relief is the source of all of your stress in the first place. And so hitting, uh, playing the positions that you've practiced and trained your whole life. Well, yes, it is fun to play baseball. It is also really stressful. So when you have these moments like this, where you get to do something that's totally different, like those are the times where, where professional sports are stress relief for the players, as well as the fans watching, because we're just happy to be out there doing something different for a change. Yes, of course, it's obviously great to play for the Cubs. And I would hope that none of our players take it for granted, but if it's something that you've done every day, your whole life, it's still work. And so for me that day, 
uh, being on the field that day was one of the was one of the few times towards the end of my career that I was reconnected with myself as a child, as a, as a kid. I was doing something that I was not used to doing um, in an amazing place. Uh, and it didn't feel like work for one second. It felt like what I think everybody would imagine it to feel like. And, and, and in that way, it also, I believe, connected me to the people sitting in the stands and watching the game because I felt the same way they would have felt if they were out on the mound. Yeah, John, so you mentioned, you know, that you now fill the role as the mental skills coordinator for the Cubs. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what what does that mean exactly? What what types of things do you do and, and kind of what's your role in the organization now? So we're um, we're an evidence based uh, organization. We don't we don't go outside of uh, anything that's been scientifically researched or supported. And, and basically what Bob Tewksbury and I do, and, and Bob is a, uh, a fully sort of certified um uh, mental performance coach, CMPC, and with a master's in sports psychology. Um, and so he is more of our, I guess, I don't want to say clinical arm because we have resources in clinical psychology as well. Uh, but he's more of our uh, educational arm. Uh, and I'm more of our kind of mentorship piece, uh, trained in different stuff. I'm trained in mindfulness practice um, out of the University of Miami. Uh, I am starting uh, in September. I applied and got into graduate school to go on to do a, a master's in performance psychology. So my education starts here pretty soon. But we come from basically a sports psychology perspective. We use things that are um, that are researched. And I, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief, and I think Bob is for the most part, too, that if you're going to talk about you, you see all these teams have coaches and mental skills. For, for me, skills have always been things that could be trained and improved. And so I'm a 99 percent practice, 1 percent theory advocate generally. Like I believe that anything that, that you want to get better at you should be able to, you should be able to train. And so that's how we kind of look at it. We offer different training exercises for players in those realms of mindfulness or mental imagery, visualization, um, and and we help build scripts and things for them personally and individually. Uh, And that's part of the job. That's kind of the, uh, the descriptive, that's the, that's, that's on the book jacket part of a job, right? But in reality, what we end up doing is a lot of mentorship, a lot of working through problems, a lot of being with guys when they feel bad, uh, when they feel upset, when they feel stressed out. And, and, and when I'm providing that role, I generally am what I was that same day in 2014 is I just rely on my skills as a backup catcher. You know, somebody has to sit with someone on the end of the bench after an 0 for 5 with four strikeouts when they're upset and, and talk them off the ledge in a baseball way, you know, uh, or someone that when, when someone goes out and gives it up and they come in in the third inning uh, and they're in the locker room in Wrigley by themselves, then I'll come in there and sit next to them and we'll let them and we'll, and we'll, we'll be able to talk it out. I just provide support. Um, as a teammate, and I rely a lot on the things that I learned uh, while I was playing um, to to do that job. And, and I really enjoy. I really enjoyed. I really like um, this year. I'm just. I've been so proud of uh, some of the maturity that I've seen from our players, um, namely C.J. Edwards. Um, you know, Carl. Carl's really grown up over this year, uh, and like how he responded to getting sent down, um, and the attitude that he brought to Iowa when he when he went there. And what and, and the attitude he brought when he came back after having a really tough start to the season this year, um, I, I was just he really matured as a as a as a human being, and to to hear him talk now, he sounds like he's been reading Marcus Aurelius's meditations all the time or something. I, he just he just comes up with these beautiful kind of like stoic, uh, uh, this beautiful stoic philosophy about getting rid of your ego and doing what's right for the team. And I hear that, and I'm just I just it makes me so proud. And it's and it's that kind of thought influencing as well, trying to promote the right kind of ideas for success and happiness for guys. Uh, because I'll tell you, we, we, one would think that 
making tons of money playing baseball and playing for the Cubs would make you happy. But man, it's a big, uh, it's a, it's a big burden and onus sometimes to live up to the demands of that city uh, and to live up to the demands of 2016. And our guys take it really hard. I mean, they really want to do well and not just for themselves, but for the city of Chicago. So helping them manage those feelings um, in this kind of unreality that they live in uh, is a lot of work. And that's why there's two of us doing it. And I wish there was about 12 of us. Yeah. So you talk about, um, you know, that the Cubs have an evidence-based approach and everything. And and I think that fans would, would I guess, gauge um, success in, in those areas just simply by what happens on the field. And so can you talk a little bit about how the Cubs or, or how you gauge success in those, you know, is it, is it just the player uh, having the right mindset and does re, do results play a role in that at all? Or is it basically just everything off the field? Well, um, it's not everything off the field necessarily. It's everything that leads up to the game, I think, is is what I truly focus on. You know, baseball is so random in the outcome um, from, you know, Chris Bryant can go up and hit a ball 112 miles an hour off the bat and hit it right to the left fielder and right like a line drive right to his chest. And if you look at the competition element of what just happened, who won, the pitcher or the hitter? Who won that? The, the hitter right, won. I right. Mean, the pitcher was trying to disrupt his timing. And the hitter was trying to hit the ball as hard as he possibly could. And so when he does that, he wins. Now, I, I, I say that, but I'll tell you who doesn't believe that. Chris Bryant doesn't believe that he won that, that matchup. He's frustrated because he wants to get a hit every single time. Um, and so because the outcome is so fickle, uh, we choose mainly to focus on the process. So where I, where I take pride in, in our players' improvement and growth is – when I see the professionalization of their, of, their, of their preparation every single day, when I find out that they've been using their imagery script, when they've been getting into the weight room to do their corrective stuff, when they've been in the weight room afterwards to, 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 to train, when they've been focused and intentful in their practice and they're managing their swing load or their throw load, like professionally, when they're doing those things, that's, that's where I find, where I feel like I have some success. When I see it, when I see it going on, when I see growth and improvement, um, in those areas, because what, what we're trying to do, the support system of the Cubs, of the players, what we're trying to do is we're not trying to make them better per se, although we are, we're trying to help them get as many opportunities to be successful as possible, because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, it's like the lottery. You're looking for as many lottery tickets every single day. And, and it's the same thing with the season, right? You're just trying to get a lottery ticket to get into the playoffs. And then you might win the lottery and make it all the way to the World Series, depending on who's hot. But we, I feel the same way about every single day. What are we doing every day? How are we, what are we cashing in as players uh, to make sure that we have the most opportunities to be successful when the game starts? And then after the game, how are we dealing with it? Are we, are we attributing our success to the right things or are we attributing to something else? And then those are different conversations. But that's, and, and truthfully too, and I, I'll take this from, from Ken Revisa, uh, who had the, the, you know, passed away last year, who, one of the fathers of, of, of modern sports psychology in the United States. Um, Kenny would never tell you about any of the guys uh, that he helped. He would only tell you about people that he, as he said, that he fucked up. And mm-hmm. I, I always look at it the same way. Anytime a player has success, uh, they're the ones that have earned it. And anytime that we intervened or we did something and the player doesn't have success, then I try to go out of my way to make sure that the player knows that uh, it's my fault and not his. Uh, because you want to be able to pull those things away. And it's not necessarily logical, but I don't think a lot of times in the in the midst of playing or thinking about baseball, 
logic is actually the uh, is the I think it's more unreason than reason. Um, you know, we have everybody that steps onto that field, everybody that gets to the big leagues generally is delusional because to have uh, the belief in yourself that you're going to make you're going to make odds that are that small. You've got to be a little bit crazy. Right, so, right. so as a result, you know, uh, thinking that you're going to get a hit every time is delusional. Look at the percentages. But we have guys every day that every day that go up there that believe that that's what should happen. And I think that that's a good thing. So we're not well, we are a science and evidence based program. We're not necessarily relying on reason and logic all the time just because we can't because the environment doesn't call for it. So we have to be a bit more creative than that. Yeah. So, John, I, I kind of like imagine a lot of your work, is, as you kind of described it, is maybe one on one for the most part, working with individual players. And, you know, get, given like uh, just from a fan's perspective, kind of like what's happened over the last month with the Cubs, where, you know, just kind of as a fan, it feels like things aren't really clicking. And I'm not necessarily asking you to speak to this exact uh, situation right now, but just drawing on your experience and in, in your role and as a player. Like, what are these moments like for a team where maybe an individual player is playing well, but the like the team results aren't necessarily there, um, you know, in, in the form of wins? And like what what types of, you know, um, I guess what's the the group? Uh, you know, how, how how do you, I guess, kind of approach the whole like group situation of, of you know, times like this? Well, I, mean, I think we have to be as a, as a support system, like we, we have to be solution focused during these times um, and we can't be we can't contribute in in any sort of like because the media environment that we have, like there'll be there'll be enough finger pointing from the outside. And right. so uh, it, it's kind of about, um, you know, like shuttering the walls up a little bit uh, and, and pulling everybody in, in together. But that's not our responsibility necessarily. That's the player's responsibility. And they've and they've done those things themselves. Um, like the current time at climate when I left last, I was there in Cincinnati, um, was one of just like massive frustration. You know, guys are really frustrated with how, how they've been playing and, and they feel like they're letting people down and they may not say that themselves in the media because we're supposed to give, you know, you're taught as players when you go to the, to the thing in Virginia, the MLB rookies thing, you go to this thing and they tell you about how to give the, uh, Bull Durham here to help the ball club answers to everything. And so our guys do a pretty good job of putting that face on most of the time, but, um, it sucks to lose when you're competitive and, and, and when you've worked really hard to get to a place where you're supposed to be. And, and I personally try to take, take a step back out of it so I don't get wrapped up and caught up in the, the emotions of what's happening day to day. And I tend to think that um, when you know, we're, at, uh, we're at rock bottom with a nearly plus 60 run differential uh, and we're still in first place, um, these are great struggles to have. Uh, these, are, these are awesome things to get through now and still be at the place that we are. Uh, because as we move forward, we can we can hopefully really separate from the rest of this division. And I think the second part of that, too, is the reason that our record looks like it looks is because this division is really good. I mean, I think this might be the best division in, in professional baseball this year. There is no easy wins everywhere you go from uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, St. Louis and Milwaukee. Every team can be every team is very, very good. So I looked at it at the beginning of the year like we have the best sparring partners for the postseason. Uh, we have the best teams to play against uh, in our division all the time. The problem is, are we going to survive that sparring session for, for, for the 2019 season? Are we going to get to the end of it uh, in a place to be in the postseason with having to play these teams that are just they're excellent teams and they're improving every single year? The pitching in Cincinnati is better. The offense in Pittsburgh is better. You, you, you know, uh, St. Louis is always good. They always play good baseball there. Um, and obviously Milwaukee with their rise last year, they have 
they have gotten about as lucky as they can with the uh, with the run di- differential that they've produced. I believe they have a negative run differential at this point. So you, you, they've, they've given up more than they've scored, and they're still tied yeah. with us. So I, I see that that being kind of – that's the one I look at as the separator. And it's not just because we win every once in a while 11-3 to three and, and lose 2-1 two to, two to one games. There's something to be said about that. That That's a metric that I've always looked at. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not my job um, – to it's not my job to ever call a meeting with a team or or intervene or try to do something that's out of my steps. I just try to support the initiatives of the leadership group that we have moving forward, the Lesters and the Rizzos and the Strokes, um, and now Craig Kimbrell and uh, you know you just try to support their initiatives uh, and and help help them push it forward because like I said, these guys care, man. Like every time we win a game, there's there's a celebration afterwards. Like they appreciate it and they respect it and they know that baseball is hard. And when they don't play up to what they feel like their potential is, um, there's no reason for any of us to be hard on them mm-hmm. because they're already harder on themselves than anybody else could ever be. So uh, we're going to be uh, talking all about more. Well, we're going to have a longer conversation on John Baker Day on August 3rd about all this stuff. And we're, we'll have questions from the audience that shows up that day. Um, on August 3rd, we're we're benefiting the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network, which uh, you and I had talked a few months, uh, you know, back at, that we had, you know, already raised money for Joe Madden's uh, charity, uh, Hazleton Integration Project and also Cubs Charities. And this year we decided to support, um, uh, you know, something that surrounded domestic violence. And I was wondering if you could speak to like why this was a, a kind of an issue that's near and dear to your heart at, at this point um, and why you wanted to benefit uh, this, the network as uh, for this year's John Baker Day. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I think obviously it's it's really no secret the the um, the stuff that went on with our organization this offseason um, and the, the the difficult things that we had to face is trying to be part of a solution. And I said it uh, just a second ago and talking about the mental skills, but we want to be solutionists. You know, we want to be people that, that actually help um, instead of uh, making rash judgments and cutting things off in a way that's that that that, that leads to things that get, that get worse in the future. I mean, without just really directly addressing what we're, what I'm kind of talking about, I hope everybody can read between the lines. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, I have a good friend here in Arizona who I came up playing with, uh, named Mark Tian. Uh, Mark Tian played for the White Sox and the Royals and, and another couple other teams. And along with JJ Putz, uh, he runs a charity here in Arizona called driving out domestic violence. Uh, and they benefit a place called Chrysalis House. And I was very inspired going to their um, going to their big dinners that they put on uh, every offseason and all the money that they raised for that. And I thought, well, you know, get, with what I've seen, what I've seen last year and, and, and the extra training that I've had this season uh, and, you know, Danny, you knowing these people and bringing it up, I thought, like, anything that we can do to help provide awareness for a way out for people um, and baseball has a track record in, in a positive way in this too. And so, just finding finding somebody to uh, finding somebody to uh, benefit uh, that maybe we haven't done before. You know, it's not just a Cubs family, but I think that it's it's all of our families that have that have experienced something like this at some point or the other. And again, trying to find the right information, uh, the right resources for people. That's always the first step is is finding the right resources. And so, finding an organization that does that 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 provides women, uh, children with with appropriate resources or with the right fo- with the right people to call or the right place to go, 
um, when times are as tough as they can possibly be. Like that's something I'm so happy to support uh, personally. And, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing it this year. Yeah, well, I think I think it's a obviously an issue at the forefront of everybody's minds right now. And what, I think what I enjoy about not enjoy, but I think the the thing that I that is the most important in this particular situation is that we do raise awareness and let people know that uh, there are, you know, for example, the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network. They operate a domestic violence hotline that release that uh, receives over twenty four thousand calls a year. So just to have like that kind of that first line of defense, I think, is really important. And um I, I, and hopefully uh, they, they will have a representative too at John Baker day this year to talk about a little bit about what they do. So I don't want to give away too many of your mental skills coordinator secrets today, <laughs> but um, so everybody should come to John Baker day and it, it's johnbakerday.com where you can buy tickets and also the uh, t-shirts and hats that we have for sale this year. Um, you only have a week to buy them. Unfortunately, if we want to get them printed on time, uh, in, in order to have them by the, uh, the event. But um, John, thank you so much for your time and for really your time these last four years and being so open. I know people that people really enjoy hearing from you that are Cubs fans, uh, you know, just you have very thoughtful answers to everything. And it's, it really is a treat for everybody to like look a little bit behind the scenes as to, you know, the pressures that come with uh, being a major league baseball player and how you are there to alleviate some of those pressures for the team that we all love. And so it's something that people don't often think about, uh, you know, and they should, because it's a huge part of the game, the, the mental skills, um, so let's uh, let's just wrap it up there, I guess. And um, thanks for coming on, John. Yeah, thank you. And, and people come on down. We can talk about Joe West. Uh, we, can, <laughs> we can talk about we can talk about all the we can talk about all the kind of things that swirl around the baseball universe that that don't give uh, get, get as much publicity because we're always so focused on that left hand column and, and wins and losses. Um, I think it's fun to to come out to that day. I think one of the things that you've really done, Danny, is put in putting this all together is. It, we've, we've taken a step further to humanize baseball for for fans. And uh, I think that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Well, thanks, John. And uh, we will definitely see you on um, August 3rd and hopefully sooner uh, when you come in. Uh, I guess you'll be in town working with the team all month long. So I'll be back soon. Yep. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you all at John Baker Day, August 3rd. Catcher got the win. I showed up down at Wrigley with a belly full of gin. I knew it would be a long one, and when Jackson was pitching, the night the backup catcher got the win. And when Jackson only lasted four, the game was tied for 12 more innings, nobody could score. We went to Captain Morgan's cause we wanted to drink more. The night the backup catcher got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. Sat in the upper deck with three of my best friends. The night the backup catcher got the win. Just outside to have a 
the smoke But as we stood beyond the gates Captain Morgan's closed We got left outside and we couldn't get back in The night the backup catcher got the win We were three sheets to the wind and over-served And we couldn't get back to our seats in upper deck reserved So we watched the game from the dugout on Addison The night the backup catcher got the win it was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. Got sick outside of Wrigley from mixing beer and gin. The night the backup catcher got the win. And then as the story's told, John Baker, the Cubs' backup catcher, took the mound in the top of the 16th inning, pitching a scoreless frame, facing the minimum. Then in the bottom of the 16th inning, John came to the plate and took a walk. Then he ended up on third base somehow, at which point Starlin Castro hit a sacrifice fly, winning the game! John Baker finally won it in 16. On the most exciting sack fly this baseball fan has seen. But I sort of missed it, I was drunk as Charlie Sheen. The night the backup catcher got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. Oh, they threatened us with handcuffs when we tried to sneak back in. The night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.